There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert, the sponsor of our studios, along with Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Jim Rogers of Restoration One, Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, Jamie Burkhardt. And Clayton Patterson at Munganess, stlouisaccurate.com, and altontoyota.com, and James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, all making this podcast possible. James Carlton, Seth Goldcamp, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Mark Hanna, Ryan Kelly, Jim Rogers, all of their businesses make it possible. So if you're on board with the podcast, support the sponsors. That's what we ask. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to welcome to the first questions from the audience of 2021, the great Gangster Pete and Action Jackson. Gentlemen, evening. evening. We made it. Yeah, yeah we did. Uh, Gangster Pete, the, the, the leadoff question actually harkens back to, I guess, about 10 months ago, almost 11, it's 11 months, because we were, we were kind of starting to call our shot on uh, Winter is Coming. Right. Uh, in, uh, in February of uh, 2020, Never really anticipating it to get to this point, but uh, because we weren't thinking pandemic, weren't thinking George Floyd, um, I think I think the basis was Trump won't concede, but it was bigger than that. It was his people won't believe he he lost, or whoever wins the Democratic nomination, those voters won't believe Trump won. That was the basis for winter: the pandemic, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor whatever else you would like to add to 2020, uh, we weren't calling our shots on that. But it is the very first question of uh, 2021. And now people are expecting us to play the role of Nostradamus. Uh, Smoke, Tim, Jackson, you guys called your shot in 2020. Predict what's going to happen in 2021, good or bad, right now. So I will lead off with that one because I feel like it's the perfect way to start. Gangster Pete, what do you got? You got a prediction for 2021. It can be anything. You can see Missouri in the final like, four. For, for I all feel, I know. I've been the positive one for the most part, but I feel like the light at the end of the tunnel is getting further away. It's like, really? That's it's interesting just, to hear because I, I think the next, like, 72 to however many hours, I think all hell's about to break loose again. I, I think that – the light, we're getting closer to the light, but I don't think it's going to be as quick as everybody wants it to be. Everybody, you know, we got that vaccine come. People thought it was going to turn around right away. I think, I just think it's going to take longer than we all think it's going to take. And, uh, it's going to suck for a little bit. So. All right. Action Jackson, what do you got? Yeah. I have to echo gangster Pete's thoughts there. I think that while we are close to being out of a lot of these things, it's not going to be as soon as people probably thought a couple months ago or think now. However, I do think uh, August 2021 
will look significantly different than January 2021 in terms mm-hmm. of health. And uh, I can't speak politically because that all depends on what happens here in the next 48, 72 hours, like you said. So it's interesting. And I don't know how many people are locked in on this. The presidential race is something that, you know, shit, what, 95 plus percent of Americans are, are paying attention to and at the very least aware of. Um, and so my wife, who is, you know, an educated woman, she has two degrees, but she doesn't follow this stuff nearly as closely as I do. Probably a happier existence to not. Um, what's that, Pete? It probably is. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I really do think so. But I, I, I was saying to her last night, I said, yeah, I think the next 72 hours, all hell's going to break loose. Now, I don't think a lot of people are necessarily saying that. I'm not even sure if anybody is saying it. And I want to be wrong. And I mean, when I say this, I'm not saying like, you know, this is going to be, you know, I just think it's going to be just another, another moment. Um, but I suppose it could get bad, but you have Georgia, uh, which is, we are recording this. There are 19 minutes left, um, before the polls close in Georgia, uh, for the U.S. Senate runoff races for two Senate seats, which is incredibly important. I mean, it's, you're voting for control of the U.S. Senate. That's what you have. And no matter what, a portion of people, and not just like 3%, but a large portion of people will not believe the results. That's where we are. That's where we are. So you have that. Uh, and, and then, in addition, what winds up happening as far as control of the Senate. That's huge. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's monstrous. Pete, if you recall, and Jackson hadn't, I don't believe Jackson had started working uh, with us because it was the day after election day. And I was, I was actually the positive one that day, but my reasoning for it was, was I felt like the outcome Trump not conceding didn't surprise me. That was always that that's, that's just, you know, you could ask me that in 2017, if he would concede uh, after he had been inaugurated, if he loses in 2020, I would have told you no. Um, so th- this is, this is what you expect. Um, but the the thought process was okay he's going to lose but the democrats will not take control of the senate and um republicans can go okay well we at least don't have potential craziness and we got the supreme court out of it so nah you know would prefer to have the white house but at least he's going to be gone and that's not the worst thing in the world i'm not talking about the people who wear the hats uh, i'm just talking about like more of the business slash moderate republicans um and I thought that was going to be a positive. I wonder how this will play out if the Democrats do win Georgia. Um, and then, of course, if you have allegations of voter fraud, whatever would wind up happening or the other side of it doesn't matter. Um, but more so, I think the former and what the ramifications would be as far as the Democrats then having control of the White House and uh, the House and the Senate. Uh, and then you have whatever in the world is going on on the sixth in DC with the certification of the electoral college votes. And, and I think that could be batshit. Furthermore, I don't think this Georgia thing is going to be determined tonight. Now I could be wrong. What's that? The Democrats are telling, uh, internally, they're telling everybody to be, to expect to be down huge tonight. Right. I have, I have seen that. And then, so what does that do? It takes you back to election Tuesday where you had people who weren't aware, which was a great wagering situation, where you had people who weren't aware how the votes were going to go down, 
with absentee ballots, thinking that Trump had been reelected, and then things played out. And then they go, well, that must mean there was fraud. Not everybody, but some. So you could have that play out again. In addition to you have what's going on in D.C. tomorrow. And from my standpoint, this is... I. It, Listen, I, it's another case of I hope I'm wrong, but I don't know how it's not going to have some element of chaos over the next few days. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I that's what I expect. Now the predict the question was the prediction for 2021. I don't know. I mean, as as far as that goes, I think if somehow we get to the point of calm, then I think 2021 can be the beginning of an incredible resurgence psychologically, economically, psychologically would impact the economics of it. Um, and I think it really could be the beginning of a great time in American history, uh, which I know may sound really weird to say, you know, right in the midst of this, but um, I'm not sure when we get there and I'm not sure what the casualties of war, so to speak, will be to get to that point. So, um my premise has always been, if we can get there, if we can get on the other side of these things, then it will be great. But we're not there. And um, these these next 48 hours or 72 hours or whatever the case might be, 96 hours, whatever it is, I think they are going to be critical. And whereas, Pete, you and I were circling Election Tuesday back in, you know, 11 months ago, this one isn't one you could have foreseen. Uh, you didn't know that there would be a runout for the U.S. Senate in Georgia for two seats that would control the Senate, control the Senate. How often do you have a vote that controls the Senate? Uh, and then in addition to that, then who, who even, I didn't even know about this thing where Congress certifies the electoral, it's never been an issue before. Well, I guess back in, I think it was 1872 or 76, they had the, they had some chaos with it, but not like this. And so you have this one, this one's stealth and this one is one that, I don't know, Pete, we love to assign arbitrary uh, percentages, at least I do, and you play along with me and humor me. Of American uh, voters, how many are aware of what's going on in Georgia tonight and what is going on in D.C. tomorrow? And we are recording this on Tuesday the 5th, for the record. Arbitrary percentage time. I'll go uh, 35 to 40. Oh, God. I'll ship the under. I mean... <laughs> Fucking all day long. I might go single digits. Well, all my people are paying attention. <laughs> I know, but that's not who we're talking. It's like when somebody said, I don't even know what the article was, and they were going, well, in the STL Today comment section, and I go, the STL Today comment section aren't our people? You can put a Venn diagram together all day, and there is no overlap. I don't want the, I don't want the support of the STL Today comment section. If the STL Today comment section starts saying I'm doing something right, I'm doing something wrong. Trust me on that. Uh, Action Jackson, what percentage we, we like to play arbitrary percentages here on questions from the audience? Yeah, I was on Pete's side there. Really? I was right in the 38. Maybe I'm off. But maybe, oh, but as I think. Way to show some balls, Jackson. Stick up to your... <laughs> yeah, don't, don't just lemming out. Yeah, I, I was going to say like 38%, which is like exactly what Pete said, but I do factor in that I'm like thinking about like my bubble, I guess, sort yeah. of say. God, I mean, it to me, it's like you know, seven to nine percent, and that, that really, that, yeah. Who, that who are aware of what's going the Georgia runoff and the certification? I'm talking about both and the certification of the Electoral College. Yeah, no way, no way, wow. no way, no. The I'm talking about, I'm talking about all 
everybody. So what you have? 150 ish million votes. <laughs> well, if we're gonna count all those votes, well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking about. Hey, what are your buddies? You know, who are on the text chain? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about all 150 million. No way, man. No, all day long. I mean, so you're talking about less than 15 million. Easy for me. Um, all right. Uh, I got to make sure I tell our uh, audience about uh, Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. He is online at thehomeloanexpert.com. And now I got to find this thing. Jackson, what is the site? E- is it eatlocalmeals.com? Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what he was talking yeah. about. Today. Thank you. I, 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 I wanted to make sure I, he probably cares about me promoting this more than he cares about me promoting thehomeloanexpert.com. He's passionate about this. Um, and it's something that Ryan, on his own, uh, has been working on, which is to get some money in the hands of local restaurants, uh, not just in St. Louis, but certainly in St. Louis, at eatlocalmeals.com, um, and just raising money. It is an honorable thing. You know, you have uh, a number of people have done that. I didn't, I wasn't aware that this has been going on with some other organizations in St. Louis. You know, obviously, Barstools and even Guy Fieri's uh, have gotten a lot of attention. But uh, there have been some other ones, but just not with the power of the PR of like Barstool and even Guy Fieri. But Ryan Kelly has it. Went to Ryan's website. It looks cool. Yeah. I mean, he's done a great thing here. It's eatlocalmeals.com. It's just, he doesn't need to do this stuff, man. And listen, when it gets down to it, what I would tell you is this. If I, if I had had a bad experience with Ryan Kelly, whether or not he was, you know, uh, doing charitable deeds, when it gets down to it, it would be irrelevant because I wouldn't say, hey, go put your home mortgage in the hands of somebody who, you know, does charitable deeds but doesn't know what he's doing. He just happens to be the best at that, and he's a really good guy. And he just feels it is a true – I don't like the word calling because then it brings, you know, some religious element into it. But he feels like he has been fortunate, even though he worked his ass off to be fortunate, and he wants to give back. And so he does this stuff, the climbing mountains and now eatlocalmeals.com. He's passionate about it. The reason he got in the boxing ring, charity, that's his thing. Um, he's been successful, but he feels an obligation to give back. And he does. And eatlocalmeals.com is another um, example of that. That's Ryan Kelly, our studio sponsor here on the podcast. And Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Producer Joe last week said on the Pick 6 podcast that he has met with Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategy. I was glad to hear him say that because I knew he had. I didn't know if he wanted it to be a public discussion, but he said, yeah, he's just really just a quality guy. And uh, it's great to have a plan, especially now that we've wrapped up the end of the year, you want to make sure that you're organized as you put your taxes together and you have a plan for 2021. Everybody needs a financial advisor. That's what I always say about it. Go to Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com, Mark Hanna. Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Tim, I lurk on the fan page and don't post, but I saw your posts on Dan Forth's condemnation of Hawley. And even though I think I know the answer, I wonder why you rarely, if ever, discuss politics on the radio show, but you do discuss them on the podcast and on social media. I have some friends who insist you're a liberal, but as someone who leans right, I think you're in the category of a moderate who just views Donald Trump in a negative way. I guess what I'm asking is how would you describe your views and how come you don't talk about them more on the radio? You may not like Josh Hawley, but you but you both have two things in common. You went to Jesuit schools and you've been asked about running for office by Jack Danforth. Thank you. That comes from Aaron M. Yeah, well, I think that's probably where it stops and starts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, 
Gangster Pete, you've known me longer than Jackson has. How would you, you can, you can answer this question probably as to why I don't talk politics on the radio and what was the other, oh, my political views. Uh, well, just because here you have the, uh, you've got the platform where you can expound on your thoughts. And then on the radio, you got a time limit. You got other people with different ideas. You've got texters coming in. It's just, there's no way to, hash out your all your feelings or thoughts in that setting. So that's why on the podcast, and then as far as your political leanings, you're definitely more liberal. I'd say he more described my political standing than yours. Yeah, I, 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 I don't uh, – here's here, – here's, what was – oh, God, I wish. I actually asked for – you're familiar with I can't I can't say, but you know the person. I need to I need to send you a screenshot of this text. Actually, it is it when I got it, I responded to the person and said this is my favorite text I've ever received. Oh wow! Uh, and I it, it may I have permission to post it. Um, and I was because I was so proud. It was going to just be like a straight, and it is a straight brag. It's a hundred percent brag. And I guess I can roundabout way. Essentially, the person was saying you called it on Holly. And people are kind of wondering how you knew. Uh, <laughs> and you can kind of read between the lines on, right. on, on all of that without getting into, uh, and, and, and so I don't, I, I don't have a great answer, but I've been thinking about it. You know, I drove down, uh, to Jupiter last Monday and Tuesday and the first two hours, I'd have to look up the book I listened to. It was some golfer. I had never even heard of this guy. I, I wonder if you guys have heard. Of, I've never. His name was Mo Norman. Have you heard of him? You ever hear no. him? No. That sounds like, like was, an old golfer name, though. Yeah. He's passed away. Oh, yeah. He apparently was a really successful golfer, but he was fucking nuts. And he had one of the greatest. He even played the Masters, but he walked off the course. But the So I listened. I, I thought, you know, when you're driving that long. Canadian. Yeah, Canadian guy. You... I just loaded up podcasts because that's how you handle it. Yeah. And I, so my, you know, from, from Kirkwood to the middle of Illinois, I don't even know if I, I got through Illinois and then I was done with this book. It was terrible. I can't recommend it. It was really, it was really poor. It was really, I think, cause I think the story actually is actually, now that I've heard the story, it's interesting. It just wasn't well done. It was really a poorly written book, even though I, I listened to be audible. And then the rest of the way, I listen to, and I still have, according to my phone, eight hours and 44 minutes left. All right. Oh, wow. This is a drive, and this is all I listened to, is Barack Obama's A Promised Land. And I still have eight hours and 44 minutes left. The man has not even gotten to 2011 yet. And I have <laughs> driven from eastern Illinois to Jupiter, Florida, and I sat on I-75 south of Megan, Georgia for three hours on, on uh, I guess it was Monday night, because uh, I, I believe a pedestrian had been killed, and they shut down the interstate for three hours. Oh, yeah. yeah. How about that? So, I mean, I, it was, yeah, I, I'm looking on my phone. I'm like, we're not moving. And I just found something on Twitter from, like, the Georgia Department of Transportation or some account that the central west Georgia, I don't even know what the fuck it was, saying uh, we have an accident, all four lanes closed on I-75, a pedestrian has been hit, uh, and you're just kind of like, oh, you kind of know what they're doing, and 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 we weren't going to move for three hours, and we didn't move for two hours and 40 minutes. So I'm still listening to President Obama. 
and I and I stopped. I, like I said, I have eight hours and forty four minutes left. I mean, you know, he he kind of mocks himself for being loquacious, uh, but holy shit! And some of it is incredibly interesting, incredibly interesting. Some of it is painful. It's like a college lecture. It's painful. It is painful. Um, but at the same time, if you want detail and an explanation, it certainly is there. I mean, thorough, thorough, and some really interesting things. Now, I'm curious, and you guys might have seen me post this, so if you've seen me post it, then then withdraw from it. Well, Pete, you're not on the fan page, so I know you haven't seen it. I didn't Actually, see it. You, you may have. Uh, is what you were posting on Twitter last night. Big night. <laughs> Made a big return. I decided I'm going to bring my brand back on Twitter. <laughs> like, well, People thought Tim, my account had gotten hacked. I'm just Tim, like, you know, it's like so fucking dumb. I don't care anymore. It doesn't matter. People think I'm a pervert and whatever. I can't change their minds anyway. So fuck it. I'm just going to fuck with this stupid thing that people bow down <laughs> to. And I'm just going to tweet stupid shit to make people think I've lost my mind. Uh, I will be the puppet master. I'm the captain now. <laughs> so, um, so I, I, so again, we've only gotten to 2010. All right. I haven't even gotten to bin Laden yet. And I, I mean, I listened to the entire, I basically at the tip of Florida and I, the man isn't out of, out of 2010, but who do you think gangster Pete? He has been most critical of. From the start of his, you know, I mean, he talks about his upbringing in Hawaii, as even though we all know, of course, it was really Kenya, but but his upbringing in Hawaii all the way until this moment in 2010. Who do you think he has been most critical of? And this, ha- this will finally get back to the answer of the, the question that was emailed in. Who is he most critical of? Yes. Uh, Ronald Reagan. That's, that's, a, that's a nice guess. That is not the answer. I would say from a Democrat standpoint, Jackson, did you see my post on this? Yeah, okay. I saw it. So from a Democratic standpoint, I didn't write this. I would say it was actually John Edwards. Um, and it was very brief, but he kind of just dismissed him. I'm not sure what his deal was with John Edwards was, but he wasn't a fan. <laughs> um, and that was pre everything that wound up happening with John Edwards. It's hard to believe he was, he wasn't, he carries vice presidential, uh, selection, right? In 2004. Yeah. yeah. He was. Uh, and he's just falling off the map. But it was Sarah Palin. Oh, uh, wow. But, but it wasn't necessarily her. Her. It What's was your... what, it, yeah, it's, it's what she uh, ushered in. It's what she right. normalized. And, and here we are 12, 13 years later. And I, and that, and it's, I, I loved hearing him say that because it has been my belief that that was the moment when ignorance was somehow celebrated, and if one was incorrect or ignorant, it wasn't that person's fault for not knowing. It was the media's fault for asking and their agenda, and she was able to spin it. I remember, and and still, even and, and Obama himself says, and I think he said, I, some other book I've read either raves about her, uh, I think it was Obama, her speech at the, uh, the Republican convention, and I remember watching it going, oh, my God, she's not saying anything. This is just like, or no, it was, I think, her performance in the vice presidential debate. That's what it was. And I'm just like, holy, she's like, she clearly doesn't know. And he goes into that. He goes, she, she really didn't know what she was talking about. And it was alarming on our side, not because that it, 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 it was popular, but because it was scary, because it's reasonable, similar to what people are talking about with Biden, that John McCain was not a young man. And you had like, even if Obama doesn't win, he's thinking, holy shit, you know, 
so for those, I don't think necessarily people think Kamala Harris is incompetent, but they might not like her politics. And so people do look at that. And I, and by the way, I think that's absolutely, I don't think Joe Biden's going to be president in 2025. Maybe he will be, but I, I certainly don't expect it. I'm not saying I think Kamala Harris will be, but I just don't think Joe Biden will be. But, but that, that's the thing that just stunned me. And then he goes into how he thought that, uh, if McCain could have it back, he would take it back. And I absolutely believe that as well. The, so, so how slash why I had the read on Hawley. I, I guess this is this is how I explained it when the when the person texted me this and was saying that this was a talking point over the weekend amongst people because uh, the question was, you know, how did no one saw this coming? And then this person said, well, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, it's the greatest fucking thing ever because <laughs> they know because I was, you know, and uh, and I guess my answer because it isn't limited to Josh Hawley. I would I would apply it. I'd apply it to Hillary Clinton. I'd apply it to Eric Greitens. He's been uh, back lately. Oh, I know. He's not done. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the thing. And that, so that's what I'm trying. So I'm trying to like play this out. I don't think Sarah Palin had unbridled ambition, but it's unbridled ambition at the cost of anything to get what you want. And you will fuck anybody over, including everyone in order to get it. And so that's what I recognized. With Hawley, which to me struck me as obvious. Um, and so what he's doing, I, and that's the thing with him. And I think you have some people in broadcasting now who know they're peddling bullshit. And I'm not even talking about like who people probably are thinking I'm talking about. Who know they're peddling bullshit, but it makes them money and they're fine with it. Um, and I, and I, and I really, for the, cause I want to, I want to stick to the principle of it without going into names, cause then it becomes a name thing. Yeah, I had somebody when I was talking about this specific line of thought last year saying, well, you know, you're, you're critical of this, but this person's numbers have gone up. And I'm like, great. That's great. If that's, if that's what the person's goal is, then that's cool. I wouldn't do that. And that doesn't mean I'm better. Maybe you would make the case I'm actually stupid. I should, I should peddle bullshit. Um, but for me personally, for me personally, I find that to be unethical. Um, especially if it has to do with a health crisis. So uh, I would I would rather not make tens of millions of dollars if it means I'm going to lie to people in order to do it. And like that's to me that's like a no brainer. That's not even a sweat. It's not like I have to sit here and say to Anna Marie, go, fuck. I think there's a way I can really start tweeting. Not the crazy shit I tweeted last night, but like some bullshit. <laughs> And, and I think it can lead to this and then I can get this and then I'll probably get this and then we'll have this. And, you know, it's, it's, I just, I wouldn't do it. It's not, it's not even like on the, like, it's not even on the, but other people clearly have made that choice. Clearly have made that choice. I don't think Josh Hawley believes this shit for a second because he's intelligent, but that's the thing that made me view Hawley and Greitens as dangerous with Trump from my standpoint and some people who voted for him, you knew what you were getting. You knew what you had. You might've liked it. You probably didn't. If you're listening to this particular podcast, even if you voted for him, you probably are like, yeah, this is a, I know what this is, but it's probably good for me. And I understand that. I'm not condemning people for that. That's their own call. Um, but with Greitens and Hawley or Hillary Clinton, I don't think people necessarily saw it that way. 
And, and what I'm talking about is unbridled ambition in which you're willing to be a chameleon for the sake of getting to whatever position of power you want. And that, to me, is dangerous, especially if they, quote-unquote, look the part. If they're not on Twitter going batshit, it makes them more dangerous. So people like this Eric Greitens, yes, the same Eric Greitens was a Democrat two years ago, yes. This Eric Greitens, yeah, the one with the rifle now, yes. That Eric Greitens <laughs> who suddenly, you know, absolute fraud. Uh, absolute fraud, but dangerous because it wasn't obvious. That concerned me more the morning after the election in 2016 than Trump. Mistake on my part, but that's what it did. And Hawley, same deal. But Hawley's not in the past. I don't think Greitens is in the past either, but I don't think he can ever get to the White House. I think Hawley could get to the White House. I don't expect it, but I think it could happen because he looks the part. And so people go, well, I mean, he's an intelligent guy. He went to Stanford and Oxford, even though he totally distanced himself from it in his campaign against McCaskill and acted like he lived in the woods. But, you know, he went to Rockhurst for, for high school, and then he went to Stanford, and he went to Oxford. And I think he was at Yale Law. That's where Danforth met him, you know. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely out in the woods. Uh, but fraud, and that's the game. But he's going to do whatever it takes to get to the White House, and that's dangerous to me. That's where I'm coming from on it. Policy, actually, to me, when it comes, and that's the thing I think where it comes from for me. That's what I get passionate about. It's not about, for me, it's not about policy. If you put a good person in, and I don't care if that person's a Republican or Democrat, that person, when it gets down to it, is going to do what he or she thinks is in the, in the best interest of the greater good. I might personally disagree with it, but when it's all said and done, I don't think he's going to risk our lives or she is going to risk our lives for their legacy. I think they are going to do what he or she thinks is right, even if I personally disagree with it. But when you have people who are poor, poor, poor character people, that's when we have dangerous. And when you include dumb, I suppose it's even more dangerous. But in the case of a guy like Hawley, uh, I think he is, I think he's a billion times smarter than me. And that's what makes it more dangerous. So now I guess you know. But I think for some people, they're like, well, how come Danforth was on board? He didn't know. He didn't know. Danforth and I, I don't, we didn't argue about it. But we went at, we, again, it was a polite conversation. But he knew I wasn't a fan. And he goes, so, what's, what's your problem with him? And I said, well, I have a problem with somebody who goes out of his way to make sure he lets people know he's not going to use the Attorney General's office as stepping stone to the U.S. Senate. And he goes, oh, so what's your problem with somebody using the U.S. Senate or the, the Attorney General office and I knew what he was doing because that's exactly what he had done. But Danforth hadn't gone out of his way to portray that. He decided this is the time to do it. The Republicans were in disarray following Watergate, and he ran. Uh, furthermore, he's an honorable man. But my issue with Hawley is I felt like he would do and say whatever it took to keep ascending. And he's a fraud. And frauds are what concern me. And an obvious fraud. But Jack Danforth, if there is one thing that I would say... Um, and it's, if anything, it's a beautiful trait, but it's a blind spot. He is incredibly not, and the loyal isn't even the right word, although it certainly would fall under that umbrella. He is not only loyal, but really, if he is a fan of somebody at the outset, it takes the world for him to change his opinion. And so my wife and I, and we've had lunch with him, I don't know, I think four or five times. Every time I can, because we will always eat at the same place and we're always on Forest Park Parkway heading back home. And it's the same time I can put, we get on the ramp to head on 170. Boy, he's, it's amazing. It's like a history lesson. It's just, you're honored. I would pay to be able to do this. And the fact that I get to do it for free is, it's an honor. 
but we say the same thing. He just, he thinks the good in people and does not see any possibility of the bad. And it's beautiful, but it's strong and it sucks. Like when he was talking about Clarence Thomas and just sitting there with Clarence Thomas in a, in a room during recess, during the hearings with the Anita Hill, uh, Clarence Thomas in what was that? 91, I think. And, and how he's ball, Clarence Thomas is bawling his eyes out. And in Danforth's mind, there isn't a possibility that Clarence Thomas is guilty of what Anita Hill is accusing him of. There's, it's not, and still to this day, by the way, he feels that. There's not a doubt in his mind. But now with the Hawley thing, he can't still think it. He now knows what he's got. And he feels, I, I, I don't think he feels, disappointed certainly would be one word. I think he's just gutted. I think he's just gutted that, that it's wound up and he didn't see it. And I think it probably, I think I'm heartbroken is the word I would use. So how, because it, it, it's not a Democrat or Republican thing. It isn't at all. It's not in the, in the slightest a Democrat or Republican thing. Um, it's a person. It's, it's certain traits. And so I suppose with regard to politics, uh, for whatever reason, the read has been pretty good. I have missed within the last uh, almost exactly a year, actually, and I don't think anybody would know what I'm talking about here on a business one uh, where I thought somebody was something and then I was off on that one. But, uh, and, it, and it's like when it happens, I'm like, holy shit. Um, but, but you know, as far as politics go, like it's so, it, to me, it strikes me as so obvious. And uh, one may not like Barack Obama's policies, and I'm sure in St. Louis you're probably talking, especially Missouri, you're certainly talking about a lot of people. But I don't think a lot of people doubt that he thought he was doing what was in the interest of the greater good, even if you didn't like it. Um, and I think people now retrospectively would say the same thing about Mitt Romney, would say the same thing about John McCain, would say the same thing about George W. Bush, would say the same thing about uh, Bob Dole, 96, George H.W. Bush. Uh, so we're going back a good long ways here. Um but you certainly have some examples where you, where you don't have it. So I, I, I think it's lazy, even though I, it's by saying that word, I know it has a strong negative connotation, but I think it's, I think I, but it's the, but it's the word I do think of when people go, Oh, they're all alike. They're all alike. They're all criminals. And it's just bullshit. It's just not true. It's just not true. There may be plenty who are, but they all aren't. It's just not true. Jack Danforth is not a, he's not, a, he's the furthest thing from it. He is a brilliant, good man. And that's just one I've happened to get to know, but he was nearly vice president. Uh, and he made a mistake and now he's, he's boning it. Uh, if, hell, if anything, how nice is it that you have somebody admitting that they, they, they were off? Yeah. So that to me is a sign of, of his character. But, but God, the, oh, they're all the same. They're all, no, they're not. I think a lot of them get, I think most of them, if not all of them, get into it, not, certainly not all of them, but 80 plus percent get into it with the idea that they are going to be able to change it. And then they meet the machine. At some point they meet the machine and they find out, holy shit, can't do anything. Can't do, we might, I might want to do it, but I can't do it. Or if I do it, now all of a sudden this is going to happen. Uh, and it's a dirty, dirty game. But, uh, I just, I, 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 you know, with regards to my, my read on my, my personal policies, it's not about a party. It really is not about, I mean, I voted, I took a Republican ticket in 2016 for the primary. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure some people are like, bullshit. No, you didn't. Like, I don't give a fuck. That's, that's what I did. I did to vote for John Kasich. 
So, um, you know, do with it what you want, but that's, uh, that's the truth. All right. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Uh, what's another Holly Danforth one? Tim, maybe this isn't really a question, but an observation I've had over the last week or so. As Josh Hawley has taken his turn as the latest conductor on the crazy train, I recall some really great conversations with Jack Danforth on your podcast in the past and know that he was a big believer and supporter of Josh. It got me thinking about how much I would love to hear Jack's point of view on the events that have transpired leading up to the election all the way to today where we have a large number of elected officials still promoting the idea that an election was stolen. With Jack being a true conservative, I'm curious how he looks at the danger of these recent events and what he feels we need to do as a nation to stop the divisiveness that is a true threat to the long-term stability of the country. I'm not looking for a rebuke of Josh or anything like that, but simply to hear how a respected rational leader within the party views our current environment. Thanks, as always, for the enjoyable content, and Happy New Year. That comes from Tom. Um, I like it. I think the interview would be a letdown, um, and here is why. He will not – his statement regarding Hawley – was about as strong of a rebuke as Jack Danforth is capable of making publicly regarding an individual. Now at Tom Schweik's funeral, a gangster Pete time for arbitrary probabilities. How many <laughs> people know who Tom Schweik is when I say Tom Schweik's funeral? Three. Three percent? Well, I'm going to go Three. over on that one, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay with single digits. Action Jackson, what do you got? Well, 0% of people in this room know who he is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Action Jackson. So no, he was no. running, he was running for governor, uh, and, uh, and he wound up committing suicide. Oh, and he was somebody who was another, uh, guy that, who Jack Danforth thought very highly of. And, uh, and he presided over his funeral. And in his funeral, he wound up essentially you know, taking to task the culture of the politics of God, what was that? 2016, I would imagine. It's probably February of 16. So about four years ago, five years ago now. Shit. Um, and, uh, but he wasn't like, I think the people who he was going after knew who he was going after and knew that he was going after them. Um, and if you want to find out, you can read it and you can figure it out uh, from that. Uh, and it was Missouri based GOP, uh, people, but, um, but he never named, he didn't get into specifics and, he, and that's the premise being that's not his thing. The only reason he said something about Hawley is because he was getting so many questions about it over the weekend. Um, when Hawley announced that he was going to be, you know, at least the first U.S. Senator to, uh, not, uh, support certifying the, uh, presidential election results. And so he got a bunch of questions. And honestly, I was thinking about, uh, you know, asking, but it was the holidays and I didn't want to bother him, but I was legitimately curious. So he, the only reason he issued a statement is because he was getting so many questions. People are like, we know you don't like Trump. Uh, we know that you did recruit Josh Hawley to run. You asked him to run and now look what's happening. How do you feel about this? And that's why he issued the statement. Otherwise he would have never issued a statement. The way he handles things is if he doesn't like someone or something, and you can go back and listen to me ask him about Eric Greitens. <laughs> you can go back and listen to me ask him about Josh Hawley in 20, well, he brings up Hawley in 2017 on his own. And when I asked him about Hawley and Pete, you were in the room for this. I think it was about a year ago, maybe like 14 months ago when we had him in 
and I asked him about Hawley, and he just kind of <laughs> <laughs> it was it's like if you asked me about tell me about that Albert Pujols Jack Clark thing, I'd be like, well, yeah, it happened, and it was uh, <laughs> you know that was a different time, and <laughs> it was one of those that was one of those things. He didn't want to touch it, and it's the same guy who on my podcast in 2017 he raved about him. On I didn't say what do you think about Josh Hawley? I said what do you think? Is there somebody out there who you think highly of who could wind up? getting politics back on track, and he named Josh Hawley. So that's how quickly things turn. My point being, it's not his style to call people out. And so I don't think that he would do that. He would call philosophy out. He would call um, attitudes out. That's what he would do. Uh, hey, Tim, Smoke, and Jackson, uh, how are you feeling about well, – these are, these, are, these are heavy politics so far. How are you feeling about Wednesday, January 6, 2021? What are the emotions – and thoughts going through your head. Personally, I feel sad for the people who truly love this country over any party or said person to think about the thousands of people who have died defending our country and preserve what our founding fathers created breaks my heart. But I do have hope Wednesday will be the beginning of the end of Trumpism. I know it is going to take a long time and things could and probably will get worse. My gut says Wednesday is day one. It might be a fool's hope, but I believe the greatest country on earth will overcome these trying times. That's from the hunchback of Vaughn Castle. I will make it a simple question for you gentlemen. Action Jackson, you get to lead off. Do you believe that tomorrow is the beginning of the end of Trumpism? Is Wednesday, January 6th, 2021, day one? January 20th will be day one, but yeah, I don't think that. I think that the election will be certified on January 6th and Joe Biden will be inaugurated on January 20th. Uh, Gangster Pete. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the beginning of Trump fading. I mean, he's still going to have wild supporters and all that, but it's the beginning of the end. I uh, have to disagree with you both. I do not, uh, I do not see it that way. Um, and I think if uh, people such as Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, uh, and however many others are going to wind up uh, voting in line with Trump out of fear, uh, that tells you that their read is that this is not going away. If they viewed him as a lame duck, you wouldn't have what is going to happen tomorrow taking place. Uh, I hope it's calm. That's that's my hope is for calm. My hope isn't for the end of it because that that's like. It, you know, my hope to wake up tomorrow with Quinn Snyder's hair. It's not happening. It's just, it's, uh, you know, this is, this isn't, this isn't happening. But my hope is that there isn't violence um, or that it leads to violence. That's, that's what my hope is actually for. From my standpoint, this is not, I, that's not to say I think he's going to run in 2024 per se, but I don't think, uh, I don't think that this is the end of it. All right. Here is one that is not polit- politically uh, oriented. Um, this is a question for producer Jackson. To satisfy my own curiosity, number one, how long have you been a fan of TMA? Number two, what are your favorite TMA long-running jokes? Number three, who are your favorite callers, emailers, slash texters? Thanks. That comes from TW. All right, T-dubs. Great question. Yeah, look at this. Jackson, the first one directed specifically to you. Hell yeah, I feel vindicated. Um, (laughs) I started listening religiously uh, around spring of 2014 and it was it became part of like my everyday routine in the early early summer 
of 20, right when I got my driver's license, because that I would then I would drive around and listen, which was big, and that's when I first got a job, and I would listen while I was working at a golf course. So that's when I started really, really getting into it. I believe the second question was, what is my favorite long-running joke? Uh, I mean, harassing Doug in a sexual manner will always be <laughs> well, a place in my heart. Uh, but I think that uh, that's a that's a tough question. What is my favorite long-running joke? I don't even. I honestly don't even know how I'd answer it, and I'm not even thinking of any. Even though I know that we probably participated in 20 of them 12 hours ago. You know? Yeah, literally. Um, probably just like the the no plan, like, and that's a bad way of saying it, but like. It's just like roll the ball out there and whatever happens, happens. Like I, I reference a TMA Live. There was one hour where you guys talked about Disney World the entire time. There's like no way you could think before the show, like, hey, we're going to talk about Disney World for an hour straight. But it was really, really funny. Um, so I think that would probably be my favorite long-running joke is just the laissez-faire, like let's start a topic and see where it goes attitude which I think is awesome and makes for really, really, really quality radio. Uh, and then the third question was... Who are your favorite callers, emailers, texters? Adam, one of my favorites. Caller Adam. Caller Adam is awesome, hilarious. I really liked Rich from Maryland Heights. and I especially, Wow, I haven't heard too many people say that. <laughs> I liked Rich from Maryland Heights' show when he when did that. It was, it was a one-time appearance. <laughs> He, he said, he said, "I like the late night score." I mean, you really had to catch it. He said, "We're gonna have to go to break because I gotta go find advertising dollars so I can stay on the air." That is, that is the model of radio. Oh, God. Uh, emailers, Misty Plops will always be fantastic. Yeah, Misty Plops, Misty Plops is brilliant. Yeah, Plops is is a is a is a goat for sure, and. Uh, Try to think back to like my earlier days of listening because that's when I would like really love. Um, flops. They come and go, man. Like Uncle yeah. Carl's double sided flashlight was writing in every that was day. Before my time. That you was know, I mean, th- yeah, it was because I can picture being a KFNS in Webster and we were there before 2014. They come and go, you know, and, mm-hmm. and people emerge and, uh, and they, they catch on. Um, is Taterhead still, uh, <laughs> emailing they, in? I, be- I believe so, but just Taterhead <laughs> switches his name every uh, every month you and just wins you. every month, uh, but uh, switches names. <laughs> and I think Iggy's got the wrong person who he thinks it is, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I, no I, need to clue him in. <laughs> by the way, this morning, Pete, I, I get on, you know, Rockio, this whole thing was starting the show at 7.07. As Jack said, well, Pete, you know, too. I mean, I'm up. Right. I, mean, I, think, I think the audience thinks I, like, get up at 7.03. <laughs> yeah. And I think I might be up, well, probably not before you two, but I'm certainly of the host and Iggy. I know I'm up earlier, and I like it. I prefer to do it. So it's like 6.58, and Rocky goes, hey, can we test your mic? I'm like, sure, no problem. And he goes, all right, good to go at 7.07. I said, we can start whenever, man. It doesn't have to be 7.07, but I'm happy to do it. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. It allows us to go, you know, whatever, an hour, hour plus. Um, but uh, anyway, we started the show today. And, you know, I'm not in studio. And Doug goes, uh, Tim, we have a problem. Iggy is nowhere to be found. And Jackson was texting and calling him, and he wasn't answering. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, my God. I, I was I was really, truly, for like the first three minutes until he 
called you or texted you, Jackson, I was really worried. Like I was, and I was like, I got to do the show, but I'm not, I'm not in a good state of mind right now. Yeah. He doesn't get there early, but he's never late. (laughs) Right. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Like if I, if if it's seven ten and I'm not there, I don't think anybody's going, what the hell? You know, they just be like, oh, it's one of those days. We'll be here at seven (laughs) twelve. Iggy not being there, that was like, oh shit. I was, I was legitimately worried. What I will say is the Tuesday before we took the, we had the three days and then the five days off. I, I show up at 5.30 every morning, and Iggy, I see, I pull up into the parking lot, and there is Iggy's Iggy's car right there. I was like, what? I was like, did I, is it like daylight savings time? Like, did I miss something? And he was cutting up best of shows. He really Look wanted to him, help. really? I, yeah. It was, I was, I was like shocked. <laughs> that, that's hard to believe. I know. I got to beat me and Peter was probably really shocked as well. <laughs> no, I was like, I was like, what planet am I on? Great news. Uh, this because what wound up happening, by the way, I, I haven't delivered the, uh, the end of the story. He, he had a flat tire. So that, uh, car, I really would love to. And it, I mean, I'm, it, it's a, it's a, it's a weird spot because I, it's not like I'm going to go, okay, let me, let me get him a car, but I would hope that there's some way we could work something out with our great sponsor. I'm about to get into a read. Uh, with Munganass, because Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson, they're big-time listeners. We have got, and I, I said this on the radio today, one of the guys who's a part of my investment group uh, has bought three cars from Munganass in the last month. Three cars! Wow. Um, which is nuts. Uh, and then I found out Andy Hanselman just got a car from uh, Munganass. People really, and it, I love it, and I, and I I because I know that these guys... First off, they're going to take care of our audience, and that's when it gets down to it. That's that's what matters. Um, but I know everybody likes to, especially at a car dealership, you want to feel like you have a guy, so to speak, so you can, you know, feel like you're getting a good deal. And if something's wrong, you can reach out to somebody directly. Well, you have that at Munganess. StLouisAcura.com and AltonToyota.com is where I got my car. It's the car I drove down here. Left St. Louis with uh, like 1,900 miles on it, and it now has 3,500 miles on it, 3,300, I think. Um, it's uh, com and stlouisacura.com. And we have a new deal. First time. I haven't even said it on the radio yet. You're getting on the podcast first. Uh, fewer than 25 remaining, these, that 2020 Acura MDX with zero down, 36 month, 349 a month, 10,000 miles per year, plus tax title and license. That's at stlouisacura.com. Ask for the TMA or Tim McKernan Show special and ask for Clayton. Or Jamie, or be like Doug. This is new. The 2021 Venza is it La Hybrid, or is Jamie just messing with me here? I've heard, I've heard Doug call talk about his Venza. I think he's talking about Iggy's. They, oh, La, they, God! Thank God for you. Jokes are now going over my head. Uh, the 2021 Venza La Hybrid, all-wheel drive, zero down, 36 months, 379 a month, 10,000 miles plus tax title. License or the Iggy special guarantee no flat tires at 2021 Corolla La 36 months 249 (laughs) zero down 10,000 plus tax title and license as always over 275 used cars available great selection all makes all models it's at stlouisacura.com altontoyota.com you do have a guy you have Jamie Burkhardt, you have Clayton Patterson, Munganass, the sponsor of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. And you have a guy, if you have any damage, I saw somebody posting on the fan page about 
um, their basement and having water. I don't know what the hell happened, uh, but, but when that happened, oh, it makes me cringe. You have somebody with Restoration One, Jim Rogers, a loyal listener of the show and the podcast, 314-888-5266, water damage assessment, dry out of your home, uh, sewer backup, cleanup, mold remediation, and also Jim Rogers and Restoration One of Central St. Louis doing COVID disinfecting of businesses, schools, and organizations of all sizes. They've disinfected hundreds of popular businesses, both locally and throughout Missouri, Illinois. The number is 314-888-5266, 314-888-5266, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Uh, some fan page questions. Um, boy, I gotta, I'm so bored by the Cardinals. This is a good question, but I just... I don't, I don't even want to read it because I think it's, it'll be bad quote unquote radio. It's just, I, I'm so bored by, are you guys, what is, so I'm just going to, I'm going to ask my own question. The question was like Cardinal specific. <laughs> what Pete, what is your attitude on the Cardinals right now versus other years? I mean, I was bored with them last, before last year and yeah. nothing's, you know, yeah. so, I mean, I just, I need something to get excited about and nothing exciting has happened. Yeah. Jackson, where are you like in versus previous years? Bored. I mean, nothing like nothing has happened for pretty much a year and a half. Like no, like major moves outside of getting rid of Colton Wong, and the possibility of stuff is always up in the air. But to a certain extent, I mean, baseball in general, to be honest. I know. I I have never like I'm like irritated when I see baseball news. I'm like, oh god, I, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it'll come back. Yeah. Um, and by that, I, I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about me and my emotion toward the game because my emotion for the game is, is the reason why I got into all of this stuff. But right now, I mean, I was way more into watching even bowls, not not just the, the playoff games that matter, but bowls and uh, in the NFL this weekend than I am into, like, Cardinal news. And I, and listen, I know it's it's, like, totally whatever and – St. Louis, you have to, you know, represent that you're, you know, jerking off to Blues regular season games, but I just don't. I mean, I, I, I there was not, I don't know what was better as far as intensity and, you know, what two plus months of, than than April 2019 through mid June 2019. But the, the NHL's regular season still doesn't get me all excited. I, it just doesn't fucking matter. I can't, you know, I mean, I know that pisses some people off, but it doesn't really matter. It's how I feel. Um, and so, yeah, I know they're going to be playing and that'll be lovely. I'm concerned how I'm going to fucking watch it. Pete, you're a YouTube TV guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's, cool, what's I, going on? Do you know anything on that? Cause we don't have Fox Sports Midwest or whatever. That... Yeah. I know like last year there was something, there's some kind of dispute. And then right before the game started, they fixed it. But, uh, that's what I'm kind of like, hoping for. I mean, we're getting closer. Though. Like your issue though. I feel like, I feel yeah. like it's, I don't know. So I'm going to have to figure something out if that doesn't work. But I, I love YouTube TV, so I really hope I don't have to switch. I know, I'm not. I mean, I'm just. I'm. I don't know what to do. I, I'd be shocked, but I mean, we're getting kind of close on this thing. But that's sometimes when. Uh, and the theory you know, that the uh, fact that sports ratings are down is going to lessen their uh, their position. Yeah. I don't know, to I don't know man. I'm. Uh, I, I. I don't know. It was specific to this question. I mean, it was a good question. It was baseball specific. And usually, I love going through this stuff. But I'm just, you know. But at the same time, I also understand it. The other side, the part of I think my frustration is there's this thing where you go on social media and you bitch about the Cardinals not doing anything. But I mean, 
it, what business right now is going, well, fuck, damn the torpedoes, let's spend money, even if we have no idea what our, that's, that's going to be an irresponsible business. And it is a business. I guess, I think part of it is some people just don't like to look at it as a business because for them, obviously, it's not a business. It's a pastime. It's something they do with their families and they think of their parents or grandparents and going to games and all that, but it is a business. You don't even know if there's going to be a DH. You don't know even know yeah. when they're going to have spring training. You don't know how many fans are going to be allowed in. You know, and on top of it, even if you did know those things, you have no idea um, what what the situation is, at least as of this moment, with Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. And even if you do sign those guys, you already have a shitload of dollars committed, a lot of dead money, and that doesn't fix your biggest issue, which is the offense. The well, I think, is in a really shitty spot. I think you made a great point. Like, it's really hard to emotionally invest in something where you have so many question marks. Like, you right. don't know what's going on. So it's hard for you to be like, oh, I'm really going to get behind this team when you have no idea what's going on. I th- so I think people are mistaking – the lack of activity for a lack of a desire to win. Had they done something last off season, last off season is the one that I can't explain away. I can't explain away. I mean, on top of it, the year before they had acquired Ozuna, and the year before they had acquired Goldschmidt or vice versa, whatever it was. Uh, and then the year before, you might not like it, but they did go out and spend a shitload of money, albeit on two that I know they'd like to have back and Cecil and Fowler. Um, and then they also did the fucking Matt Carpenter thing, but. Um, with, with regards to the Cardinals spending of money, they do it. They just have spent it really poorly. But last year they needed to add a bat and they didn't do anything. And for the life of me, I still don't understand that. I, that one I can't, I can't defend. I can't explain away. And so, so since you have that, people are now going, well, see, they're not trying to do anything again. And this year I think is a different situation than last year because of the circumstances. Uh, all right. Uh, this one, uh, comes from, do, do either of you, well, Jackson, you have to, both of you have to know about the Barnhart brawl, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Infamous call. Oh, so you know, you know more from the phone call and not from the fan page, but yes, I'd forgotten about the phone call. Yes. Where he, I don't know anything about it. Okay. Really? Cause it's kind of fan page specific. And I know Pete, you, you joined and then right when you're, you're what, the first thing you did after your last show was you left. <laughs> I mean, was he called the Bar- Barnhart Brawler on the fan page? No, I don't know how okay. he got the name Barnhart Brawler, but I know that this person is is the Barnhart Brawler. Okay. Um, and and the phone call Jackson's referencing, which I had forget, and I don't even know what the top. What was the what was the backstory on that? Gender neutral bathrooms. <laughs> oh, great! And he started yelling at Doug, right? Yeah, he got emotional. And he got emotional, and that was. And that was, uh, and that was, that was, uh, the, the, the call that I, but I'm, I'm thinking more on the fan page. And I don't think he really, I didn't even know he was still a member of the fan page, but he popped up in the thread and he, and he always talks about shame. I'd actually like to have a conversation with him about it. Um, he, his question is shame extinct or will it ever make a rebirthing? Will a public figure ever feel bad again for doing the wrong thing? Um, and I'll lead off on this one because I, I, I've seen him ask about talk about shame and ask about shame before. And I think, I, I guess what I'll do is when he, when he says, will a public figure ever feel bad again for doing the wrong thing? That is where we need to get more specific, which would require a conversation. Yeah. So you know where I'm going with this. The wrong, the wrong thing is in the eye of the beholder. Right. You know, like, I make no secret of my, uh, you know, uh, sexual uh, mores or lack thereof. 
Um, but, and, and I don't think there's a thing wrong with it at all, but I know that a lot of people do. That's fine, but, but I'm not doing anything that breaks the law. So if one would want to talk about breaking the law, uh, that's something where we can have an agreement on. But I think he's talking, I think I'm trying to read between the lines, talking about essentially, I think it's directed at Trump and his supporters. I think I could be wrong. I certainly am aware of where his politics falls, so it can't be in support of Trump. Um, but, but I mean, to, when I think of shame, now in 2021, I think of people on social media like ganging up on people to make them feel bad about something that they did. And I hate that. Or didn't do. Or didn't do. Yes, exactly. Or didn't do. And I hate that. But I don't think that's necessarily what he's saying. So that's why I say it requires a conversation. Gentlemen, that's my interpretation of the question. He's asked about shame before, so I wanted to attempt to answer it, even though I know my answer is horrible. But that, but it's because I have more questions from his, his question. Pete, uh, what's your response? Yeah, I mean, I I don't like the public shaming on social media and all that stuff. Uh, I don't really know what he's asking. Yeah, like you said, you got to ask more questions to get to yeah. the bottom. Of- uh, Action Jackson. Yeah, it's it's a the, the general sense of shame. I think I think people feel ashamed a lot. I think people tell people to feel ashamed a lot. But I don't know if. Yeah, it's a tough. That's a tough question to like answer succinctly so i i don't like like so i mean i guess i can like holly's been talked about quite a bit on this podcast i don't i don't think josh holly feels any (laughs) bit of shame yeah exactly you know uh again because i don't like to get into the media game where i start talking about media people even it's not even local but people who i think and i think we all probably would agree and it would just learn turn into a whole thing who we we all think we know that they don't really believe the shit that they're saying, but it makes them money and they say it. I, I'm sure I would think anyway that they rationalize that somehow. And I don't know. And I'm trying to like play it out. Um, and I, and I, I would, it's almost like, like a, like a mafioso. I'm taking care of my family and therefore yeah. I'm doing the right thing. I think, I think that's what it would be. I think, I don't know. Uh, and in a way, I guess I almost kind of wish I had that trade because I can make a shitload of money, but, uh, I just, I can't, I, I, you know, I can't do, I can't sit, I don't want the audience to ever go, fuck, he lied to me. You know, I just, I, that's like, I put that like, so like, that's the first commandment to me. So I don't want to ever do that. You can, as I have said a hundred times on this thing, you can hate me and plenty of people do and still click on the Tim McKernan show to listen to me and hate me. And it's great. It's wonderful. Uh, but, but I think you know that I'm saying what I really think. And right now what you have, and it's not limited to the handful of people that we're thinking of, uh, who are, who I think we're all thinking of anyway, um, that there's, there's, there's real money to be made in, in lying to people right now, uh, and telling them what they want to hear actually. Uh, and it's it's one thing if it's somebody who really believes it. It's another thing, like a Holly, who knows better. He knows. There's no way he doesn't know. There's no way. But you know what he's going to do? I know, but I know how I can use it to my advantage. And that's and that's where I go, fuck. Because that's why I spotted in Greitens. Same thing. Um, so 
I don't know, man. I, uh, so from that's when I think of, and I, but again, I don't think, so from that standpoint, I don't think there is shame, but I, but I'd be curious how they rationalize it. But they, but you're not going to get, you're not going to get a Vince McMahon admitting that, that, that wrestling isn't real moment. You're not going to get that because the moment they say wrestling isn't real is the moment they stop collecting probably what are seven figure annual, you know, incomes. So you have to keep up the charade and just keep building and just keep feeding it and getting the retweets and the social media bullshit and just keep finding whatever stupid shit issue. I mean, I, I could be wrong on this because I try to, you know, I, it's, I'm sure people can't believe that this is true, but I do. I feel like I almost need to kind of do it before I host the radio show each morning. I go to Breitbart. Not because I'm looking for information, but because I kind of got to know what the, you know, what the offense is thinking when I'm on defense, so to speak. And so that's why I go there to see what the playbook is today. And, and I'll read, oh, okay, I see this. So what, what did you have on Sunday? I mean, what you had on Sunday with the recordings of the Georgia Secretary of State and President Trump, I mean, that's a landmark moment in American history. But what was the focus in conservative media? Representative Emanuel Cleaver saying, amen and a woman. Um. <laughs> That made Don't get me wrong. I, I think that's absurd. Don't get me wrong. But it's the bright, shiny object in the Georgia Secretary of State recordings. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know? I'm just going to say an A woman, by the way. I What's like that? it. I'm you just like going to be a woman instead of anything else. Oh, hey. my God. I couldn't. I couldn't. I, Doug got going on that, and I go, do we have audio? Because I'm like, I haven't heard of it, but I'm not going to the same place as usually that Doug is for information. <laughs> and and so I'm like, you know, is this something that, like, you know, uh, James Woods tweeted or Chuck Woolery tweeted? You know, I mean, what is this? And then we played the audio, and I'm going, what in the world? But, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, okay, holy shit. The president is looking for 11,000 more votes to try and carry Georgia, and we can't say it's fake news because we hear him doing it. Yeah. What do we got? Well, this guy did a prayer and said amen and a woman. Perfect. That'll piss people off. We'll go. And I'm like, oh, my God, I watched the playbook. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And so from that standpoint, there is no shame because it's all in profit. People go, well, the news media. The news media is not your friend. The news media is a business. The news media, that doesn't mean everybody in it is that way, but the corporations that operate it are trying to make ends meet and or have profits for their investors. And that's the game, man. It's just like baseball teams. It's the same damn thing. All right. Hey, what, what, yes, uh, I apologize. Is it a woman, Tim? A, a woman. Thank you. God, that was unreal. Uh, let me see if there's anything. Oh, I like this one. Timmy Recaps. I'm a Timmy Recaps QFTA question lemming. Uh, apologies for the late question. Uh, I guess he asked it yesterday after I posted. I, I, I'm, this is good here, and we'll wrap it up here. I think a good faith and respectful debate-type podcast could do so well. Like myself, you don't seem to be easily labeled with left or right or whatever. Ah, see, there we go. It goes back to the first question, the second question of this podcast. Every topic has a nuanced answer regardless of where its data point hits a political spectrum. If you grabbed a gentleman or lady with a different perspective on a topic about which you feel strongly and had a spirited conversation, I really think it would do well in terms of listenership and stimulation. This might just be my taste in discussions right now, but I'm enjoying listening to people like Sam Harris, Ezra Klein, Dax Shepard, William Lane Craig, and Chris Hitchens debates. 
I vastly disagree with many of these people on a plethora of topics, but hearing an articulate conversation had in good faith with educated people who are willing to have their mind changed upon new and better evidence is the most stimulating thing I can watch and listen to at this point in my life. Have you considered it? I love that idea. Um, and I'll ask you, here's the issue. I don't know who I would, I don't know who I would get. We kind um, of talked about the David Hunt thing. I thought that would And that's exactly who I thought of. That's exactly yeah, yeah. who I thought of. That's that, that, but, but I don't even know. I, I, I guess what I would say about that, I don't really know him that well. Right. And I've had some, uh, non sports related places ask about, you know, my, you know, potential free agency, uh, and asked if I were to go into a non sports realm who I'd be interested. I've mentioned him. Um, and, uh, but I mean, he doesn't know that. And I guess if somebody tells him about it now, now we'll know it, but it, you know, he's got a job at the post dispatch. Um, but what I'll say about him is this. I would describe him as being open to changing his mind and having discussions in good faith. And one thing stands out to me is he certainly wouldn't be a Donald Trump fan, but he was kind of the same thing that I think I said the morning after the election in 2016. And it wasn't, you know, you fucking idiots, you fucking racist. That's not what it was. I said, we have a listen here. So this is eye opening for whatever reason. This has happened. And we've got to pay attention to it because clearly something has happened that a lot of us did not see coming. And as opposed to disregarding everybody who voted for Donald Trump as being dumb or a bigot or take whatever thing you want to use to make it easier to sleep at night, um, there's something here. And he had the same approach. And I can't recall, but it had something to do with Trump. Um, and I thought, and not necessarily Trump as an individual, but the Trump, the Trump voter. So I, and I thought that, and I wasn't looking for it, but when he said that, I was like, oh, this guy comes to the table in good faith. And so I like that. Uh, I don't know that we necessarily, but see, I don't, I'm not really strong on policy. I'm, I'm more on people and philosophy. So I, you're not going to get me all passionate about an immigration policy or healthcare policy. It's more about philosophy. And if I think two people are truly working for what they think is the right thing. And right now, I don't know if you necessarily have a whole lot of that. And that's, that's essentially the core issue. There was something, and I, it's, it's hard to believe that it, it came from this guy. Um, because I don't even think necessarily Republicans like him. They just kind of view him. It's kind of like if you're a Patriots fan, you go, well, fuck, Belichick wins. So, you know, we, <laughs> but Mick, Mitch McConnell. Um, and it was interesting. And I'm paraphrasing here. And I didn't even know he wrote a book. It's not something I've, you know, traveled from Florida to listen to on Audible. Uh, but what he said about Obama and dealing with Obama was Obama would try to convince me I was wrong. Biden acknowledges that we disagree, but then he tries to figure out a way to get a deal done as opposed to trying to convince me that I'm wrong. And I would, as big of a fan as I am of Barack Obama, and as surprised as I was eventually that Joe Biden became the nominee and that I, I, I was going to vote for anybody. I, Jackson, you would have gotten my vote. It didn't, it wouldn't matter. I wasn't voting for Donald Trump. It just didn't matter. I mean, for real, you can pick some of the worst people. I was not voting for Donald Trump. It didn't matter. But, uh, but I thought about that and I thought, yeah, that's probably a flaw with Obama. Uh, and it's a pretty major flaw, actually, if, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're operating as president. 
Um, and I and I really thought who would have who would have thought, but I thought that observation, which I do believe came from Mitch McConnell. I don't know if it was said in good faith, because certainly o- Obama's critical of McConnell. Um, it tells a story of, uh, I think Biden telling him, uh, McConnell and I got together and McConnell listens to him and he goes, you must be under the impression I care, uh, <laughs> which you can totally see him saying, uh, but Hey man, I mean, he's been, you know, if you, if you like what he's doing, he's, he, he wins. Like I said, he's Belichick, he wins. Uh, but I thought about that and I thought that to me, I think that's the way I would, that's the way that I would try to operate. I'm going to disagree with people, but I'm not, I'm not going to convince somebody that my view is, is, is right. I know you think this, you know, I think that we've got to somehow get something done that is going to be in the interest of the people who voted for us. And that to me, and if that's Joe Biden, Pete, I know G unit has made reference to, you know, he's like, you know, I know that you're not necessarily high per se on Biden, but he might be the right guy for this moment, even though he won't go down as, you know, Lincoln or Washington or, you know, take your pick Reagan, Roosevelt, whomever. Uh, but for this moment, and maybe that's right because he's kind of a, I'm going to, I'm a compromiser and I'm going to keep this thing going, and I'm not in here because I'm some wizard. I'm in here because I'm going to try to get this thing back on track, and maybe that will be the case. So I like that, and I and so who would have thought I'd be citing Mitch McConnell's book on questions from the audience along with talking about listening to Barack Obama's book for 18 hours, but that actually just happened uh, on this podcast. Uh, any thoughts on that whatsoever, gentlemen, as I wandered all over the place, as is par for the course? Go ahead, Jeff. I'll let you take this one. There you go. Uh, again. That was great. Um, yeah, I think that just always you're rarely ever going to convince someone, especially politically, that they're wrong. Um, and I, but I have no interest in it either. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a bad bad way to go about it. Not only that, but it's uh, yeah, like Tim said, it's just not something you you're ever going to be feel good afterwards about. And so I just think that. Being able to compromise is important, and also just understanding that you fundamentally disagree on something. Right. Be the end of it. I mean, so so Frank Cusimano, and I'm just thinking of him as I'm thinking of somebody at the station. Obviously, a passionate Christian, and I am whatever it is that I am, but I'm not sure that there is a God, and I believe that has the label of agnostic. Well, I'm not going to go into a discussion with Frank trying to convince him of my view. And if he wants to try to convince me, you know, on, on his views, I, it doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be a waste of time. But I respect his views. I respect his views. So, okay, that's where we are. So let's build off of the fact, okay, that's where you are. That's where I am. All right, now we got to legislate. And so if you're going to sit at a table with somebody and try and tell them they're wrong, you're not going to win them over. And I feel like a lot of political discussions start at that, which is the wrong place to start. Because you're not, especially when you're talking to fucking randoms and burners on social media. I mean, you're sure as hell not going to. But, but even in actual government, um, I think a lot of the stuff in the city and county in St. Louis uh, can be focused on that. Much less if you want to take it to a federal level. But um, I think that when I saw that, I mean, I, I really, and I didn't know Mitch McConnell had written a book, or maybe it was just an interview with him. But I thought that's a. I mean, that's a. That's a, that's. That observation makes sense. Obama would try to convince me I'm wrong. Biden would disagree with me, but say, let's work off of what we can, you know, build that we know that we agree on. 
Um, and that, 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 uh, that gives me some semblance of hope. All right. Time to, uh, to wrap this up. I want to make sure I thank James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency for his support of the podcast. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton. State Farm. It's my insurance agent and I made the switch because he really is the best in the business and his customer service is second to none. He is in Webster Groves. He is a State Farm insurance agent. His number is 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. And Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. When it gets freezing in St. Louis and you're using that furnace all the time, it can make your home incredibly dry. Well, they have a humidifier that will take care of that for you at Design Air Heating and Cooling. Go online at designairservice.com to support our sponsors, the official HVAC provider, the Ryan Kelly Morning After, or the Tim McKernan Show, and or the Tim McKernan Show. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling, designairservice.com. Uh, Gangster Pete, thank you for your time, as always. Kind, kind, sir. Yes, sir. Go Tigers. Fight. Tiger and uh, Action Jackson, thank you for your time as well. Thank you to all the audience and thank you to all the sponsors. Remember, you can send in your questions anytime you want. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. For Gangster Pete, for Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.